0: I'm Ray Joy Fonstil with Fonstill Farms in Seguin, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
2: Hello, Texas. So glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, farmers suffered through a terrible year in 2022 thanks to drought. So how is that affecting their attitude as we head into the 2023 crop? We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A bill
3: in the Texas Legislature aims to protect the rights of farmers and ranchers to produce food and fiber within city limits in the state of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on that legislation with a report from the state capitol on Texas Ag Today.
4: For the Texas A&M AgriLife operations near Vernon, the recovery effort following last year's tornado is coming along slowly. But it sounds like some of the facilities are coming back better than before. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
5: This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas starts planting. It's not even March yet, but temperatures have already hit the 90s. We'll have those stories and more in today's report.
2: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas farmers had one of the worst years in recent memory last year, so how is that affecting their attitude for this coming crop season? BASF regional agronomist Luke Etheridge works with farmers in East and South Texas.
5: Yeah, I carry, you know, 15 years of working with these guys. I don't know how they are as resilient as they are. A lot of times you talk to the guys at the coffee shop and they're not optimistic. But when it comes to this time of the year, they're going to put the seed in the ground and they're going to have some optimism when it comes to, you know, being able to produce something to kind of switch that thing around.
2: Of course, the drought was one big factor in last year's disappointment, but that may ease up a bit and help turn things around.
5: Yeah, if we get out of this La Nina thing and we go into this phase, kind of this idle phase between La Nina and El Nino, like they say is going to happen, and we get into El Nino, we could have some spring rains, which could really, really benefit those guys moving north up into central Texas, where they got hit hard last year with the drought. A couple of timely rainfalls could really make a difference.
2: Many forecasters are calling for a switch in the weather pattern this year, but the question is, when will that switch actually take place? Will it happen earlier in the year to help spring planted crops or will it happen later in the year after another drought has taken its toll? And crop farmers aren't the only one hoping for a better year here in 2023. Texas livestock producers are coming out of a devastating year as well. If we get the better rains, many cattlemen will be trying to rebuild herds that were destocked last year. But that may present its own challenges with cattle prices increasing and the number of available replacement heifers shrinking. Texas A&M Livestock Economist David Anderson says the most recent cattle on feed report showed a decrease in heifers on feed. It actually declined versus the year before, just barely, about 25,000 head, fewer heifers on feed on January 1 compared to January 1 of last year. That's the first time in about a year and a half that we've seen a year-over-year decline in the number of heifers on feed. But that doesn't necessarily mean there will be more heifers available for replacements. You know, I don't think that shows evidence of any kind of herd rebuilding. I think it's more evidence that there's fewer calves out there to place. We've pulled so many ahead already. We've placed so many more. We've placed so many heifers. That it's a smaller number than a year ago, I don't think it means we're turning this thing around or anything. It really means it's more that we have tighter supplies of animals. Anderson says heifers made up 39% of the total cattle on feed as of January 1st. That's the highest percentage in over 20 years. Protecting the right to farm is a top priority for agriculture in the current Texas state legislative session. Tom Nicoletti goes to the state capitol for an update. My guest from Austin is Charlie Leal. He is a state legislative
3: director for the Texas Farm Bureau and, uh, Charlie, farmers and ranchers continue to receive pushback from Texas cities and suburbs regarding their farming and ranching practices within city limits. Certainly, agricultural producers need a a change to uh, what uh, the current law is. And what's the latest on uh, what legislators are looking at there in Austin?
6: With urban sprawl, we're seeing several cities that are beginning to restrict or prohibit certain farming and ranching operations when there's no evidence that it's a threat. We're starting to see this in the outskirts of all the major metro areas. These cities are Enacting ordinances and regulations on these ag operators as if it was a business or a residential lot. The Texas right to farm law uh, must be strengthened to ensure farmers and ranchers are able to continue producing the food and, and fiber that our growing population requires.
3: What is current law, Charlie?
6: There is a right to farm for farmers and ranchers. However, that's only for operations that were annexed into a city after 1981. But Trump. Trying to verify with a city if your operations was annexed before or after that date has proven to be a bureaucratic challenge.
3: And so there is House Bill 1750 by State Representative uh, Dwayne Burns. Uh, What is that legislation calling for?
6: It would prohibit cities from enforcing these onerous regulations on ag operations unless the cities can provide evidence of an actual threat to public health. It also requires the cities to utilize expert AG information provided by Texas a and m Agrilife Extension on generally accepted AG practices.
3: That is Texas Farm Bureau State Legislative Director Charlie Lial. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: The Texas a and A&M Agrilife facilities near Vernon were damaged last year by a tornado. James Hunt tells us the recovery effort is coming along slowly.
4: It's been about 10 months since a tornado devastated the Texas A&M AgriLife facilities near Vernon, and the recovery is taking a lot of time. Rick Vierling is the director of the AgriLife Research and Extension Center at Vernon and also manager of AgriLife's foundation seed operations. Vierling says optimistically everything could be back in order by this fall. More realistically, it probably won't be until early next year.
7: Part of that time is just the delay in getting, let's say, our HVAC system, getting uh, electrical boxes supply chain issues are really dragging this out.
4: But while the delays are frustrating, if there is a silver lining, it's the fact that as restoration moves forward, there's some upgrading taking place as well as repairs. Dr. Veerling says that's especially true for Foundation Seed, which develops new seed products for licensing to commercial companies.
7: Foundation Seed is located here in Vernon because a seed company gave the facility to Texas A&M years and years ago. And so it was sort of piecemeal put together. So what we've done is our grain bins, they're all now the same size. It's all the same equipment that moves the seed in and out. And so we went from six grain bins to 12 so that we can expand our capacity of different varieties that we're producing. We're getting improved peanut dryers, new peanut wagons, new peanut samplers new peanut lifts, you know, these types of things are really going to help foundation seed as we continue to expand and license more
4: varieties and get those out to the farmers. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Extreme South Texas planters are rolling as temperatures are hitting the low 90s. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley.
5: It's time to plant, and valley producers are trying to make up for some lost time. Temperatures had been hitting in the low 90s for daytime highs, only dipping into the low 70s at night. Now, the major problem facing valley producers, though, is the high winds that have been gusting between 40 and 50 miles per hour. The wind is sandblasting young crops like cotton, corn, milo, and watermelons. Some earlier spotted rains have helped the crops get off to a fair start, but the valley is heading back into a moderate drought condition, and so rain is needed and sooner than later. The harvest of sugarcane and citrus does continue. To date, a lot of citrus is still left hanging out on the trees, and we're now starting to harvest our Valencia oranges. Water situation is still a great concern. Falcon Reservoir at 13.2% full. Amistad at 45.8% full. Reservoirs are continuing that slow decline in their elevation. Once we get into heavy spring planting, we may be needing water to To get the crops up and that's going to mean water reservoirs and the elevations will be dropping even more. This is Jim Herr in the Rio Grande Valley.
8: The public can now comment on proposed changes to freshwater fishing regulations. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And low somatic cell counts are an indicator of milk quality and utter health. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
8: After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery.
7: Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com
1: to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Low somatic
2: cell counts are an indicator of milk quality and udder health. But Dr. Bob
0: Judd says the cell counts can get too low. Dr. Amber Yetsey from Penn State indicates at drovers.com that she performed a study to answer the question about too low of a somatic cell count. Somatic cells are white blood cells that fight infection and repair tissue damage. When the udder is infected, white blood cells move to the udder and into the milk to fight off the infection. Without this occurring, cases of mastitis would increase, as would tissue damage of the udder. Milk processors pay a premium for milk with low somatic cell counts, so there is increased profit. But some producers are concerned that cows with low somatic cell counts could have a decreased immune response to infection. Dr. Yetzi indicates that ideally the somatic cell count should be between 100,000 and 150,000, and counts below 50,000 could indicate the cow could respond slower to infection. Since cows with low cell counts are more profitable, producers select for these cows, and some producers feel these cows with lower immunity will have a greater chance of developing mastitis. However, Dr. Yutzey is not concerned about this and indicates having cows with low cell counts far outweighs the risk. The goal is to keep cows in the best environment possible to maximize immunity and keep cell counts low. Low cell count herds usually have low levels of contagious bacteria, and limit the spread of bacteria with good milking procedures and management practices. Infections in these cows are usually of environmental origin, and infections develop when cows are immunosuppressed or stressed, such as dry cows or cows in early lactation. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: The public can now comment on proposed changes to freshwater fishing regulations. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report.
8: The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is now accepting comments on several proposed changes to freshwater fishing regulations for the 2023-2024 season. Proposed changes include clarifying the definition of a community fishing lake, clarifying pole and line restrictions for CFLs, State Park Lakes, and Deputy Darren Goforth Park Lake. A proposed change would also modify catfish regulations for three state park lakes, Abilene, Raven, and Sheldon. Another proposed change would modify largemouth bass harvest regulations for Lake Nasworthy to eliminate special exceptions. Their proposal also includes implementing a largemouth bass catch-and-release regulation for Lake Forest Park in Denton, removing fishing regulations for Gibbons Creek Reservoir, which is no longer open to the public, and modifying catfish harvest regulations for Dixieland Lake, Bellwood, and Takersley Lakes. Full details are available on the TPWD website. That is t p w d dot A link to read the full proposals and comment is available on the front page. The department will host an online webinar on the proposed fishing regulation changes, and they'll answer questions at 6 p.m. on March 7th. The deadline to comment on the proposed changes is March 22nd. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission will consider the proposed changes at their March 23rd public hearing. You can submit comments on the TPWD website. The public can also submit comments in person at that March 23rd hearing in Austin. Public testimony is limited to three minutes per person. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dillamore.
2: The cattle market closed mixed Friday, but cotton took a nice jump higher. We'll check out all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
8: After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery.
7: Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance
1: today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
2: The cattle complex traded both sides of Unchanged on Friday. That's how we settled it out. Both live and feeder cattle closed the week mixed. February live cattle were up a nickel, 165.20. The April up five cents, 165.37. June live cattle down 20 cents at 161.07. Same thing on the feeder cattle. March feeders down 15, 189.07. April down 10, 193.57. But the May contract was up 32 cents, 198.05 cash fed cattle market seeing some light sales here in Texas earlier in the week at 164 that's two bucks higher compared to the previous week but heading into Friday afternoon the feedlots were still holding firm asking 165 and better for the cattle left on the show list boxed beef prices higher on Friday choice up 40 cents 28831 select up 78 at 276.65. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Chris Carter and family own and
5: operate Carnes County Livestock Exchange down Kennedy Way. Chris, we always begin by thanking the folks that do business with us each week, don't we?
9: you got it larry we do want to thank all of you for all your consignments last week we ended up with 720 head of cattle and the market ended stronger again it's creeped up again now for three weeks straight swap those pins number one steers two to three weight 207 to 240. three and four is 206 to 265. four and five weights 196 to 245. five and six is 187 to 224. six and seven weights 167 to 196. And the seven, eight weights, 153 to 170. On the heifers, two to three weight, 168 to 208. Three and four is 181 to 225. Four and five weights, 183 to 215. Five and six is 173 to 217. Six and sevens, one fifty-four to one eighty, and the seven and eight weights one fourteen to one thirty-two. We had fourteen packer bulls last week, and high yielding was a dollar eleven up to dollar eighteen on the best bull. Uh, medium was ninety-two to ninety-seven. We had one hundred and six packer cows. High yielding was ninety-four up to dollar two. Medium seventy-four to eighty-two, and the low end thirty-two to thirty-eight. We had some really good bred cows and pairs in last week. Uh we had eight bred cows. The better end brought from twelve fifty up to fifteen hundred on the best cow and the planner ones eight hundred to a thousand. We had a dozen pair in, the better end brought from fourteen seventy five up to eighteen fifty on the best cow uh pair, and the planner ones was eleven $1, hundred to thirteen fifty.
5: What do you got under the barn for this week?
9: At the present time we've got five hundred and seventy five head checked in and we're looking for about seven fifty come sale time. We've got sixty five Packer Cows and Bulls, nine palpated cows, and the rest are yearlings.
5: Good Deal. Tell everybody how to contact you.
9: For any questions, please call Wevin Rouse at 361 542 0810 or myself at 210 286 5345.
6: Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you
2: next time right here as we walk the pins. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures trade where lean hogs finished lower on Friday. April hogs down 17 cents, 86.02. May hogs down 60. At 95.35. Class 3 milk continues to drift lower. February milk down 3 cents, Friday, 17.86 100 weight, with March milk down 4, 17.72. Big jump in the cotton market getting a lot of support from Friday morning's USDA Export Sales Report. It showed another marketing year high in cotton sales, with Vietnam and Turkey being the big buyers. March cotton up 272 points, 85.13. The May contract up 274 at 84.90. With new crop December cotton up 210 points, 84.32 cents. Big drop in the grain markets. Follow-through selling from USDA's latest planted acreage estimates as well as crop production estimates released in Thursday's USDA Outlook Forum. They called for an increase in acreage on both corn and wheat as well as an increase in production so the market's still shaking those numbers out double digit losses with march corn down 10 and a quarter 650 a bushel september corn down 9 and a quarter at 590 and 3 quarters same thing on the wheat except the losses were bigger july kansas city wheat dropped 23 cents 828 a bushel July Chicago wheat down twenty-seven at seven hundred twenty-nine and a quarter. In the energy markets, March natural gas was up nineteen cents Friday, closing at two fifty. April West Texas crude up a dollar fourteen seventy six fifty-three a barrel. The financial markets were lower Friday afternoon, the Dow down three hundred sixty-five points at thirty two thousand seven hundred eighty eight. The NASDAQ down 226, 11,364. The S&P down 50 at 3,962. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A,
1: Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today.